Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. All right, get myself settled here. All right, can you guys hear me? Wow. It is good to be with y'all this morning. I um, feel so honored. Whoa. Wow. All right. I feel so honored to get to share with you guys. Uh, So the topic this morning is, I would say, definitely one of the characteristics of Jesus that is closest to my heart, uh, which is his heart for justice. And so as we engage on the topic of God's heart for justice, what I want you guys to hear uh, really is an invitation to Jesus. You know, we're going to talk about maybe how that practically works out and how that is playing out in our city, but I, I want you to hear more an invitation to him, right? Because that's what motivates us to want to love the poor. That's what motivates us to want to do works of justice. And so, um, you know, as we were worshiping, I was reminded, this isn't even in my notes, this is free. Um, I was reminded that, um, you know, God's plan A for works of justice in the nations is through his church and through his body. And I think it was back in the 1800s, um, the church abdicated that role. And that's when social service agencies had to step in and government agencies had to step in to care for the poor because we as the church abdicated that role. And so I just want to invite us this morning as the church to take up again that role that really is ours, uh, to care for the vulnerable, to care for the poor, because it it is God's plan A. Um, So this is an invitation to you as the church. Um, So... Again, as Micah shared, I had the honor of coming on with Unbound uh, back in August, so just about six months ago, and um, you guys, it is an amazing team. For, for y'all that know the Unbound people, I mean, they're, 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 I mean, they're legit, and I'm going to share some different stories about my team today, but just love Jesus, love the vulnerable, and uh, really are giving their lives to this work, and so... It's been my honor. Uh, Previous to this, I got to serve with Antioch for about eight years overseas. So I was in Asia and Southeast Asia uh, working with Antioch's International Field Office. So I got to work for and care for our workers and then also train our workers in how to engage in um, community development work among those that are poor in the nations. Um, Prior to that, I lived in Fort Worth and I got to work at Catholic Charities right down the road uh, doing refugee resettlement. Again, a lot of my stories from what I'll share has been uh, from experiences there. And then prior to that, I um, had the joy of getting to live in Central Asia, which is really, uh, you know, I think where God did a lot of refining in my own heart and stripping away of what I thought it looked like to love those that are vulnerable. And yeah, so a lot of what I'm going to share with you all today is the joys, uh, but also the challenges of of my own journey. And, um, you know, it feels raw and very fresh this morning. Um, you know, the, the last couple weeks, I feel like I've seen survivors that we get to love and serve um, really struggle to apprehend really what is theirs and that, that place of restoration. And, you know, I, I see them in that struggle and I'm like, God, where is your justice? God, where is the breakthrough? You know, I mean, it's, you know, trafficking is so complex and it's so... Um, it's overwhelming. And I, I think the place I have to keep coming back to um, is just the truth that this is the work of Jesus. And he is bringing justice. He is bringing restoration. 
And um, so the bottom line truth that we're going to keep coming back to today is God is establishing his kingdom on earth. He is doing works of justice, and we just get to partner with him if you want it. You know, if you want to be a part, which I say you want to be a part. Um, So that's his invitation. But it's hard. It's complex. And it's, um, yeah, and I think it's beautiful at the same time. So I want to share with you a little bit about Unbound, and then I promise we'll get into the word here. Um, So Unbound started in 2008 as a ministry of Antioch Church down in Waco. So it's beautiful. It started as an extension of the church. And here in Fort Worth, it started here at Antioch, Fort Worth, formerly Christ Fellowship in 2012. Uh, It was a group of volunteers that started it. And men and women that just loved Jesus and were appalled by the injustice of trafficking, so these volunteers dived in, and uh, Stephanie Bird, if y'all know Brian and Stephanie Bird, uh, she's really, yeah, I mean, she's worth honoring. Um, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to get Unbound started here. Um, and so that was 2012. Fast forward to today, we're now a staff of 19. Um, 17 of those are full-time, trained, professional staff that are doing this work. And, um, and we need the community. And, and I think that's what it's going to take is really the community coming around this issue. So, so when I say trafficking, I just want to hit on it briefly. Um, so again, human trafficking, we would say, is a form of modern-day slavery where force, fraud, or coercion are used to control somebody to engage in commercial sex acts um, outside of their will um, and or forced labor. So whenever trafficking happens with a minor, so 17 and under, whether or not forced fraud or coercion are used, uh, it's considered trafficking. So there's no such thing as child prostitution um, under the federal law. So again, just to put that truth out or that reality out of what we're talking about, okay, so forced fraud coercion uh, really to control someone. And, um, and it happens here in our city. You know, I heard a statistic recently that um, there's 79,000 minors and youth being trafficked just here in North Texas. So if you think of like the AT&T Stadium, you know, where the Cowboys play, that, that's enough to fill every seat. And those are just the ones we know about, right? So, I mean, that's, it's youth minors, it's adults, it's every walk of life, uh, gender, ethnicity. So again, um, the number overwhelms me, to be honest. Uh, it's, it's the largest and fastest growing criminal industry in the world. So $99 million just here in Fort Worth. Um, to to feed this industry. So again, it's complex, it's overwhelming, and yet God's moving. And um, ah, it's it's exciting. You know, I mean, it's overwhelming and exciting. Last weekend I had Saturday, I was so overwhelmed with like the beauty of what we get to do and getting to see people's breakthrough where I was like, I love this work. And then, then on Sunday, we had some crazy things happen where I was like, this is so overwhelming, you know, and I think that's the roller coaster I ride of. It's like you see these beautiful moments and glimmers of hope, and then you see the the devastation and you see the the challenge and um you know I think the call of God is for us to keep showing up and keep showing up and um so okay, so you know I think for me, really, since I was in high school learning to walk with Jesus, it's always been coupled with his heart for the vulnerable. And um, so for the youth out there, I'm like, get a, get a hold of God's heart for this because it's, it's where I've met him, really, since I've been probably 16. Where I've met Jesus is 
with the vulnerable. So I'm drawn to those that are vulnerable, honestly, because I know he's there. And um, I want to touch his heart, and I know that's where he is. Um, so, you know, I, I really think it's possible to see poverty eradicated, trafficking eradicated. And yet, as I'm going to share with you this morning, a lot of what my experience has been has been with the one. It's been with entering in where it's messy and it's hard and you see more steps backwards than you see forwards like that that's been my experience and yet i believe it's going to be changed right god's kingdom is coming but yet um it's messy uh just to be honest so um so we talk about biblical justice uh i really love the hebrew word for justice it's mishpat and yancy could probably correct me is that right all right thanks so it means this is good y'all it means restorative justice so it's seeking out and advocating for the vulnerable. It's changing structures. It's courageously making other people's problems my own. Okay, let me read that again. So this is biblical definition of justice, okay? It's seeking out. It's advocating for the vulnerable. It's changing structures. And it's courageously making other people's problems our own. So we're going to look, you're going to continue uh, the study that Jamie started last week on in Mark, <coughs> and we're going to look at uh, four different expressions of justice that we see uh, throughout the book of Mark, or actually just in these, these 20 verses. Okay, so if y'all want to open your Bible with me, um, yeah, Lord, we ask that you'd bless the reading of your word, God, that you would um, enlighten the eyes of our hearts to see you, uh, to know you, Lord, would you um, yeah, bless the reading of your word. Jesus. Okay, so we're going to, again, continue where Jamie left off last week. So we're in Mark 1, verse 21. Okay, and this is where I'd say we see the first of four expressions of justice. Okay, so I'm just going to read this, uh, starting verse 21. So they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath had came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them <coughs> as one who had authority, not as the teacher of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want of us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus, and come out of him. So the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. So good. So I'm going to cause it, call it, I'm going to call this first expression, pause and see. Okay. Cause that's what strikes me as I read this. Like Jesus was going about the work the father had given him. He was teaching in the synagogue. And in the midst of that, a man being tormented by an evil spirit calls out. And what does Jesus do? He pauses. Okay. Jesus paused and he saw the man. And he delivered him. Like he stopped what he was doing and he delivered him in that moment. And um, I just think it's so powerful. You know, again, if y'all remember last week, Jamie was talking about um, when Jesus was baptized and kind of the series of events he was baptized, he was tempted and then he called his disciples. And so in the book of Mark, the first act that we see Jesus doing, okay, is he's teaching and he does an act of justice. Okay, he brings deliverance. And like when, you, when we look at the prophecies about Jesus, in Isaiah, it says, I'll read these to y'all because they're good. Um, said of Jesus, I've put my spirit on him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. 
In Psalms, it says, the Lord God upholds the justice for the oppressed. In Isaiah 61, it says, of Jesus, the spirit of the Lord was upon him to preach good news and to bring justice to the poor. So the first, the, the priority, I mean, I would venture to say the priority of Jesus was to bring justice. Okay, and again, it's justice in so many different ways. It's justice through salvation. It's justice through deliverance, but it's holistic. Okay, that's, that's the mission of Jesus. And so, um, yeah, again, I think, uh, so what can we learn from this? So for me, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, so Jesus was going about doing the work of the Father. He was teaching, right? So he's doing good works, yet he wasn't too busy to pause and see um, the opportunity God was putting before him. And I, um, I mean, for me, the challenge is like, will I let my agenda be interrupted? Even if I'm doing good work, will I let my agenda be interrupted so that I can engage in whatever that place of justice is? And, you know, again, in my world right now, that's working and unbound. But I I just want to say for you guys, for all of us, it, it can be so many different opportunities. I mean, again, you look around and, I mean, it's not hard to see injustice here, right? Um, we see the sick, we see the homeless, we see the lonely. Um, and so wherever you're at, I think there is a plethora of opportunity to pause and see. To pause and see the one who's sick and to enter in and pray. To pause and see the one who's lonely and to sit and bring dignity, right? To see the homeless on the street and not feel embarrassed, not, not make eye contact, but to actually look them in the eyes, to ask them their name, right? There's, there's ways for us all to engage every day in, in this work of justice. Um, but really, it's allowing our agenda to be interrupted, at least for me, right? It's allowing myself to slow down enough. Um, so I want to share with you guys a story of something that happened recently, and this was at um, Unbound's Underground Drop-In Center for Youth. So if you guys know, um, one of the, the new works of Unbound is uh, a drop-in center for youth, and it's a, we started at the, um, let's see, beginning of November, and um, really it's a safe place for youth to go that are at risk. And so they can take a rest, get a shower, get a hot meal, uh, so it's located right down the street at one safe place. And um, so the center opened for for youth um, a few months back. And so this was one of my, like, where the rubber meets the road while I really pause and see. So again, uh, we were, so it was one of those long days where I was like, it was just complex. Like we were dealing with policies and procedures and all this. And to be honest, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go home. I'm exhausted. And I walk out into the youth center where um, there is this young lady um, that had recently been recovered and she was, she was staying at our center. And, um, and y'all, her story was horrific. You know, like, again, at 17, what she experienced is, um, it's more than my mind can imagine, to be honest. And, and she looks at me and she's like, hey, miss. I was like, hey, you know, and she's like, hey, you want to play cards? do I want to play cards? Uh, yeah, I want to play cards. Like, of course I want to play cards. Like, it's been a hard day. I want to play. And, um, and it was awesome because, like, she didn't know I was the director of Unbound. And honestly, I don't think she cared. She wasn't like, will you rescue me from trafficking? Will you bring justice to my trafficker? None of that. She said, will you just, we just hang. We just hang with me. And so for the next hour, like, I sat with this kid and time stood still for me and for her where we just played a game and she got to be the expert and 
And there was something of God's joy and dignity and life that happened. And there was, there was restoration, right? Like, I think a lot of, like, when I, when I look at the survivors we work with, I think um, a lot of the ways the enemy comes in is to, to strip identity and to steal identity, to steal innocence, right? And so I think the work of God is to restore that innocence and is to restore identity. And so, you know, again, for one hour, this kid playing cards, innocence was restored in a way. She got to just be a kid, you know? And I thought, there's so much in my mind of what I want to do to see trafficking ended. And yet, in that moment, it was, will you play cards? And that's what it was, you know? So it's simple, right? At times. And it's complex. Uh, So, um, you know, we had another young lady that week that um, I was talking with her and just asking her about her experience with us. And she said, you know, um, really before I, before I worked with your, before your team worked with me, um, I didn't feel like my life mattered. Like I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel known. But she said, um, said, your people make me feel like I matter. They make me feel like I'm worth fighting for. I mean, y'all, that gift, be able to give somebody that gift of you're worth fighting for. No matter who you are, you know, if you're a teacher, it's telling that student you are seen, you're worth fighting for. If you're a parent, you know, I mean, like, really, like, I want you to, as you're hearing this, think of your sphere and what is that place where God is like, there's a place for you to bring justice, right? Um, yeah, so uh, there's this quote by Mother Teresa that I love and drives me crazy at the same time. So it says, we can do no great thing, only small things with great love. So let me read that again. We can do no great thing, only small things with great love. And to be honest, when I first heard that, I was like, no, Mother Teresa, <laughs> mercy. I want to do great things. Like the burden and the passion in my heart to see justice is so deep. And so I'm like, who are you, Mother Teresa? I mean, really, a uh, little bit of pride had to get worked through over the years. But it was hard because I was like, I don't want to do small things. I want to do the big things, you know. And yet... Mother Teresa's words are right. Surprise, surprise. And for me, it's always been small things. It's always been small things. Um, but will I do them with great love? And will I, will I be willing to get my hands dirty and really engage is the, is the question. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, we're, we'll keep trekking. But I just, again, I think there's something so beautiful when we can embrace the um, the small opportunities God gives us every day and not miss them, you know. So again, this first expression um, we see of Jesus doing justice was he paused and he saw and he entered in, okay. All right, so second one, this is out of Mark 1, 29 through 31. So we're just going to keep moving through. Um, so it says, as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So Jesus went to her, he took her hand, and he helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Okay, so I'm going to read verse 31 again. So Jesus went to her, he took her hand, and he helped her up. Okay, so again, like, we see the miracles of Jesus throughout the New Testament, right? And often, like, with a word, Jesus would just say, be healed, and someone would be healed. But for some reason, in this instance... He went to her, he took her hand, and he helped her up. And I just think, man, how powerful is that? Like he, he entered into her space. 
And he didn't have to take her hand. He didn't have to help her up. He could have just said, stand up, which again, at times we see, right? But in this instance, he said, I see you. I'm taking your hand and I'm helping you up. And so I'm calling this second expression of what, what we see uh, of Jesus uh, is the invitation to walk alongside. So I'm going to share with you guys a little bit about uh, some of the advocates I get to work with. Uh, so again, part of what we do at Unbound is uh, our advocacy team. And so this is as uh, courageous women that um, really come alongside and walk along survivors in their journey of restoration. And yeah, yeah, they're, they're, the, they're I mean, um, yeah, and they do it because they love Jesus. Um, and so I'm going to share with you some, some stories from working with them. But uh, first, I want to share with you all a story from when I was overseas that just really hit home. Um, so again, I shared with you guys, um, I've spent 11 of the last 20 years working abroad. And um, back in 2017, do you all remember the, the big refugee crisis in Europe, uh, 2016, 2017? So um, again, refugees were fleeing from all over uh, to Europe for for safety, and um, so I had the honor during that time of getting to help train uh, some of our teams in um, in Europe about how to work with refugees, refugee mental health, that sort of deal. And so one of the first projects I got to do was um, actually on the Serbia-Croatian border. And so Serbia-Croatia was one of the crossing points where refugees could uh, really cross over to safety and there was tent city set up there um, and so me and some friends uh, went to the border and we got to partner with the UN uh, to be part of an aid station and so really I mean the the ask for us was basically to be crowd control so not super glamorous like will you be on the border and will you because people are I mean imagine you've been like these refugees have been on these journeys for days weeks months and they are ready to get to Croatia and they're ready to get to safety and so um, we got to be crowd control and give them tea and blankets and meet their basic needs. And so it was, our shift was like 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. We were out there. And so just, I wanna kind of paint this picture for you guys. So again, we're kind of at the top of this hill at this aid station and you see these bus loads uh, of refugees coming in. And, um, and so they would get off the bus at the bottom of the hill and then you'd see these families um, yeah, just tired, exhausted from the journey. They'd have all, all their possessions in their bags and they'd have kids on one hip and a bag in the other. And they would just walk up this hill like um, so courageously uh, to, the, to the border crossing station. And um, so a couple hours of this went by and you know, like we'd see them come up and we'd be getting the aid station ready. And, um, and a friend and I were like, why are we up here? Like we need to go down there, we need to meet them and we need to like help them up the hill. Um, and so for the next few hours, that's what we did. Like we went down when we see the buses come and, um, okay, so this is kind of crazy. So remember I told you I was in Central Asia, 2003 to 2006. This is now 2016, 10 years later, right? Um, yet the refugees flooding in, a third of them were from Central Asia. And say so all of a sudden, somehow the language I had learned 10 years ago where I was like, am I ever gonna use this again? God on earth. And I was able to communicate with these refugees as they were on the border. And um, I was able to walk with them up this hill. I was able to carry their kids and carry their stuff. And, you know, in this brief moment, I got to walk their journey with them, literally. Like I got to tell them how courageous they were. I got to tell them that there was safety on the other side. I got to 
tell them how cute their kids were. I mean, whatever, you know, like I just got to be with them. And um, I felt so close to Jesus in that space, you know, of just, man, what an honor. Um, yeah, I, I mean, for y'all, any of y'all that have worked with refugees, I mean, it is the, um, they are some of the most resilient, uh, courageous people I've ever known. And so really for this brief moment to get to be part of their journey was such an honor. And, um, and it changed me, you know, and I think one thing I just want to point out in that is, again, I'd learned the language 10 years ago. And when I left Central Asia, honestly, I was like, I'm never going to use this language again. I'm never going to use this cultural understanding again. And then I find myself in Europe, in Serbia, of all places, right? And I'm like hanging out with people from Central Asia. And I just felt like the Lord was like, Sandy, I don't, nothing is lost. No investment you make in the kingdom is ever lost. And I just want to encourage you guys in that, you know, the things that you've sown in over the years with high hopes of what that could look like for ministry or what that could look like for investment. Um, for whatever reason, there's things that God's put, God puts on the shelf, right? And then years later, when we least expect it, he pulls it back out and he uses it. And so I don't know what those things are for you guys, but like, I just want to encourage you, those places that you feel like have been shelved or that maybe have been like dormant for a while, He's going to waken those back up. You know, like he uses everything. Nothing is lost. Um, I'm just going to pause there for a second. I really want that to hit. Nothing is lost. Um, so, um, okay, I'm going to tell you two stories of my advocates, um, of our advocates. Again, uh, so, again, um, the advocates get the joy and the challenge of really walking with survivors along um, their journey of restoration. And um, so two things that really struck me recently. Um, one of our advocates was, uh, she had a young lady that, um, that needed a hot meal. It was a really cold night. And so she was like, you know, we need, to, we need to get a meal out to this gal. And so I was like, okay, what would you recommend? And she was like, she loves double cheeseburger from Whataburger no topping, minimal ketchup. She loves french fries. You need to get her a big Coke, not the small size, because she's on the streets. The sugar will help keep her warm. Like, spot on. And I was like, oh, that, that's pretty specific. So the other advocate was out there, and she's like, yeah, I'm taking her a Whataburger. She wants a double cheeseburger, and no toppings, minimal ketchup. I mean, like, spot on, right, was what the advocate said. And I was like, how do you know? Like, how do you know her Whataburger order? That's, like, so specific. And she was like, Sandy, I know this for all my girls. Like, I know what they like. I know what's going to, like, bring them joy. And I'm like, if you know their Whataburger order, what else do you know, right? Like, do we, do we step in enough to know so deeply where it's not like, here's the person in need and here I am, but to say, I'm here with you, you know? Like, this one gal I'm about to share about, she's like, I'm all in there with you. I'm in it with you. And she knows the ins and outs and their colors and their styles because they know these people. And that's where it gets messy is when you really get to know people, right? Um, so uh, this other advocate just this past week, um, she had, I mean, just worked tirelessly for hours trying to find um, housing options and resources for this young woman. And I mean, really had been over backwards to really... Um, get her to a safe place and get her where she would be free from her trafficker. And um, there was nothing else she could have done. Like it was set up. And um, 
And at the end of it, <coughs> the, um, the young woman decided to go back to her situation. And, um, you know, often they'll go back because there's a connection with those that are, have trafficked them. There's a, what they call a trauma bond, okay? So it's not just a choice to choose abuse, if you will. It's, it's there's been um, acts that have felt loving, acts that have felt cared for that really connects survivors to their trafficker. And it's really hard to break that. And so this woman went back um, and I, I'm devastated. The advocate's devastated. And what blew me away is um, this advocate, um, she didn't just let her go. She didn't shame her. She said, okay, so let me take you out to a nice meal first. Let me just love you. Um, that's what she did. She just loved her. She took her out to a nice meal. Knowing her, she just spoke life to her and truth. And then she drove her home, which is where the trafficker was. She drove her home, and she let this woman know, I'm with you. Whatever choices you make, I'm with you. And I'm just like, man, that is a level of Jesus' compassion that whew, it's deep. You guys, it's deep and it's real and um, it's powerful. All right. Um, so expression two, Jesus invites us to walk alongside. So number one, we pause and we see. Number two, we walk alongside. Number three, we pray. Okay, so Mark 1, 35 through 39 Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also, for that is why I have came. <coughs> he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. Okay, so this one really hit me, because I'm like, oh, he's got these big acts of God healing and bringing justice. And then slow down and really enter that space with Jesus in prayer. And um, so this really hit home for me uh, when I was in Central Asia. Um, so the next two stories I'm going to share with you guys are from the joys and challenges of uh, my first term overseas. But so I was in Central Asia. I had just done a year of language study. So again, I was in this village where nobody spoke English. So language learning was... Um, difficult to say the least and but I'd done the work I had learned the language and after a year I'm like okay like Lord let's get about this work of justice you know like I'm in this war zone where you hear the bombs and the rockets and I'm like I know God wants to bring justice in this place and so I took this morning and I was like okay God like strategy from heaven I'm ready like what what are we going to do like are we going to start with the medical system are we going to start with the school like there's so many places we can start and I was ready for this like blueprint from heaven. And um, sure enough, you know what the Lord tells me? He's like, Sandy, will you pray? And I was like, of course, you know, I always pray, da, 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 da. <laughs> And I'm like, the Lord said, no, like, will you set aside two mornings a week? And will you let that be your focus of engaging in justice? And I was not happy with that offer. I was like, there's other people that can pray, you know, like I am, I am a trained social worker, Lord, in case you forgot, you know, like, I, I mean, again, like, I was like, ah, like, it was so frustrating, because I'm like, I'm supposed to wall myself up in this little compound, Central Asia, and I'm supposed to pray, and, but it really felt like God, and so for the next six to nine months, I set aside two mornings a week, and I learned to pray, and I learned to abide, and it was not like, 
always this glorious time of intercession. A lot of it was like, all right, how do I pray? And when can I go out and actually be with the people? And, you know, like it was always this wrestle. But in that, I learned dependence on the Lord. Um, I learned to abide in a way that um, I needed to learn, you know. And, and then the time came where I got to partner with him in works. But like that place of prayer, I think, is so powerful. And so, again, I don't know if there's other doers out there. But if, if you are, I just wonder, what is that place he's inviting us to pray? Um, and how do we partner him in that place? Okay, last one. Uh, so again, we pause and we see, we walk alongside, we pray. Okay, and then the fourth expression we see of Jesus is um, him touching the need. Okay, so this is Mark 1, 40 through 42. And a leper came to him, employing him and kneeling, he said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. So moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him. And he said to him, I'm willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Isn't that powerful? Jesus moved with compassion, touched the man with leprosy, and he was healed. You know, again, Jesus could have spoken a word and the man be healed, but yet he, he risked touching the untouchable. You know, and I think something so powerful probably happened in that exchange of, you know, I'm just imagining the person with leprosy feeling so much shame, feeling rejection, feeling not seen. And yet the king of all kings sees and he touches him. He, he's not worried about getting dirty. He's not worried about the mess. He, he lets himself step in, right? And he touches the need. And I just, I wonder, what does that look like for us? You know, to really reach out and touch the need and... Um, I'm going to share with you guys another story back from Central Asia because that's, again, it was my first learning ground, if you will. And um, so like I told you, you know, I'm, I'm ready to fix the injustices of Central Asia. And I've got my master's degree in my pocket in case they cared. I could like show them that I'm a, I'm a legit social worker that can help your country. Uh, and I really felt that. Like I was like, do they know who's shown up? Like, I'm, here we go. So, so I was like, okay, so what about the medical system, Lord? Can we start with the medical system? So let's bring you to a story. So part of um, the medical system in Central Asia at that time was, it was really corrupt. And so for a local to get medical assistance, they really needed a foreigner to go with them uh, to the hospital. And so often our neighbors would come to us because we were white, honestly, and spoke English, and they would ask us to go with them to the hospital to get medical care. And so... Uh, so it was a big part of our days was just going with people to the doctor. And so one day, uh, this family that lived up the mountain from us uh, came down with their 10-year-old son. So his name was Idris. And he had this, uh, this big, like, cyst on his neck. And they were like, Sandy, we don't know what this is. Like, we've got to get him to the doctor. And so me, his name was Idris. So me and Idris were, like, trekking to the hospital, you know, because we don't have cars like this is like dirt roads and sheep and you know like it's it's rural rural asia and so idris and i go to the hospital and um we're able to get him in to see a doctor and the doctor says he's got external tuberculosis and you know it's kind of held within this cyst on his neck and so it's like okay so what's the treatment for this and the doctor says okay so um he's got to be on a really strict medicine regimen and every day for the next year, 
he's got to take his medication. If he misses a day, um, he's not going to be healed. And so the doctor is like, so what we need to do is we need to get Idris connected with a community health worker that'll administer his medications every day. So it's like, oh, that's great. Like we have community health workers here. This is amazing. And so the doctor looks at me and he's like, so you speak English? I said, yes, I speak English. And he said, and you can read, right? And I said, yep, I can read. And he said, how would you feel about being a community health worker? <laughs> okay, that was, a, that was a qualification. So in that moment, I was like, I mean, sure. sure. I, I mean, I don't know. So I was like, the kid's got to get his medicine. And you're willing to appoint me a community health worker because of my English speaking abilities. And so I became this young man's community health worker. So again, I'm wanting to see the medical system, the justice of God, come and change this corrupt environment, right? And yet, what does God do? He lets me be the community health worker for a 10-year-old. So for the next year, you guys, this kid, every day, rain, cold, snow, he walks down the mountain to my house. I give him his TB medicine, and the tumor slowly starts going down. Um, and it gets to the point where it's, sorry to gross you out, it starts oozing, right? And so we have to like clean the wound, put bandages on it. And um, this kid changed me. I mean, he was a delight in his commitment to his healing. I'm like, what 10-year-old kid doesn't miss a day? Rain, cold snow walks down just so he can be healed. You know, he was like, I want to be healed. And it was all him, you know? And so when he came to our house, you know, like, different things would happen throughout that year. Like he would see me brushing my teeth and he'd be like, oh, I want to brush my teeth. So I'd teach him how to brush his teeth or teach him how to wash his face. Or uh, we had dogs and in Central Asia, they're really rough with dogs. And um, so we taught him how to be kind to animals. I mean, it was like simple. And yet me setting out to change, again, the, the medical system of Central Asia, I get to heal one not even heal one. He was part of his own healing. I just got to be part of it, right? Um, so I think the, yeah, I think in all this, I just, I want to invite you guys in to, um, yeah, just what has been such a beautiful part, part of my journey with the Lord, you know, and I, and I've, my guess is uh, so many of you today have engaged with God in different places uh, over the years in his heart for justice. And, you know, so for some, this may be the first time that you're like, what would God have for me in justice? You know, what would, what would that look like in my sphere? The deal is he's working in every sphere bringing justice. So it doesn't matter where you are. You could be a college student. You could be high school. You could be a mom, a teacher, you could be in law enforcement, like God is bringing justice in every sphere. So, so you're not exempt, like there is a space for you, right? So the question is, like, is this new and God's igniting it? Or um, have you tried it before and it was discouraging and it was defeating and God's wanting to reignite that? You know, I don't know. Um, but I do, um, I want to just pause and ask God to say, okay, is he inviting you to pause and see? Is he inviting you to walk alongside somebody? Is he inviting you to pray? Or is he inviting you to reach out and really touch the need? And, um, you know, I mean, I would invite you guys to pray with us at Unbound. I mean, we are, um, 
yeah, it feels like the favor of God really is on us as this part of the church. And, you know, if you feel led to partner with us, we're going to be available after the service just to talk about what that could look like. Um, there's so many different ways from donations to financial giving to volunteering. Like, um, yeah, just want to invite you guys to that. But even more, I just want to invite you to wherever you're at, whatever that sphere is, um, just to ask God, do I need to pause and see, walk alongside, pray, or do I need to reach out and touch the need? And um, yeah, so if you want to stand with me, Jamie's going to come up and we're going to pray. Thank you, Sandy. So let's, let's just uh, let's respond to the Lord here. Just, uh, Father, we, right now, we just want to uh, have tender hearts, Lord. And there's so many things there that Sandy's just been encouraging us in that we, just opportunities for us to, st- to take a step forward, to walk with you in the, the way of making things right. Lord, in our lives and in the world around us. And the, the first thing, I, I just want to pray for those who feel like, man, some stuff's happened that's set you back, or you feel like you've been sidelined, and just want to speak encouragement and the Lord's word of encouragement. Uh, Sandy and I were talking about this the other day, and just like the stuff of the past, the hard things, the the. The, the things that have been a trial to us, even the season maybe that we've been in, just for whatever reason right now, it's, it's hard for you. Just want to say nothing is wasted in the Lord's economy. You know, speaking this foreign language 10 years later to refugees walking up a hill in Serbia, like nothing's wasted. And so, Lord, I, I just want to pray right now for those who are just feeling like, is the Lord going to use me? Or this has been hard that I've been walking through. Or it's not looking the way I thought it was going to look. And so, Lord, would you just right now bring encouragement all around the parking lot, online, in homes. Or would you just help us to know Lord, that you're bringing grace in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial. Lord, I'm just reminded that the the things that you lead us through, you then give us a chance to help somebody else with. And the comfort and the grace that we've received is comfort and grace we get to give. So Lord, meet us. Meet us here as we're just all Lord there are opportunities for us to pause and just to see people to walk alongside people Lord to just say yes to the invitation to pray to be with you and for some of us that may really be a big invitation in the midst of the hustle and the bustle and that's just we live so busy Lord Lord, for some, it's, it really is going to be touching the need. So, Lord, would you meet us today in the name of Jesus? Would you just bring 
that grace. Put the yes in our hearts where, where that yes needs to be there. Lord, well, that's stepping up and praying for unbound or serving or volunteering or any of the other countless creative ways that you would have us bring rightness, righteousness, justice, and peace, the things that you've made us to be, a signpost people pointing to the way things will be. Help us to be creative in that, to dream your dreams, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, just want to say to you that the Lord loves you. He's got you. In the midst of, I'm just, I'm literally seeing faces I haven't seen in a long time. And man, may the Lord bless you. May his face shine upon you. May he give you his peace. And may he make you a conduit of that peace for others. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He sent His Son to die for you. And there is grace in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's bringing power. The Holy Spirit is bringing power to walk through the times that we're walking through. And He wants to touch your life so that you can touch others. In the name of Jesus. Hey, church, it's great to be together. May the Lord bless you. Go in peace. Amen. Y'all give it up for Sandy, too. Thank you. Amen. Love you guys. Go in peace. Go in peace at home.